Last week, we talked about doing more, 10 things that we can do more of. I skimmed over them. We had some fun. We laughed a little. Um, But I want to go over the next several weeks. I want to dive deeper into each of these and see what the Spirit of God says and does amongst us. Without further hesitation, here is number one. Number one is going to be, we talked about it a little bit last week, giving more. And yes, I am going to talk about money. But I'm not going to just talk about money. Because giving is more than just money. So that we need to be clear on that. Okay? 2 Corinthians 9.7 was the verse that we used last week. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. <clears throat> now, the reality of this verse is that it speaks of intentionality. God here is talking about the faithful part of the giving. So he's speaking to us about that weekly tithe, that that tenth that we give back to God, 10% of our our income. I get asked all the time, is it 10% of my gross or my, my net? If you have to ask that question, maybe you need to spend a little bit more time in prayer. You're looking to skim off the top, you know what I'm saying? You just ask yourself what your salary is, 10%, that belongs to God. That's your tithe. That's his tithe. That's the minimum. And then, the verse, but the verse is talking about having the intentionality, what you've decided to give in your heart, and it shouldn't be reluctant. It shouldn't be, oh man, I don't know if I can do this or if I want to do this. Friends, when we get down that road, it begins to show us the battle between our flesh and our spirit. And the reality is, very often, the 70-inch TV wins out over giving to God. I know, I've been there. And so, he says, you should also give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. That's why I talked this morning, but I don't want to burden you, I want to unburden you, because I don't want you to feel like you have to give out of compulsion. Now then there's those times that, you know, maybe we might do a special offering or a special thing, or people might pass the hat around. You know, there's a group of people that pass the hat around in the church, and when there's a need that they know about, they'll, they'll make sure so that that family gets the money that they pass around. I think that's a great thing. It has nothing to do with me. They don't tell me the amount. They don't tell me anything. I got to be the courier one time, you know, but it's just a group of people that above and beyond their tithe, they get together, they put their money together in a pot, and they go and they bless somebody. Nobody's excited about that. Okay. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you breathing? Come on, people. You know, uh, it's just money. I don't want to hear about this. You need to hear about it. This is for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, I never understood the issue of a cheerful giver because I wasn't cheerful about giving. I wasn't. I liked my money. Notice the words I used? My money? I liked my money. Until God said to me one time, it's not your money. I was like, well, it is my money. I worked for it. Who gave you the job? Okay, well, you gave me the job, but I worked for it. Who gave you the strength to work for it? Uh, now, you're, now, you're getting, now you're getting picky, God. You're getting picky. Who gave you that raise? Who got you that promotion? My hard work. Be careful. Be very careful. 
Because there are people that work three times harder than you and don't get anywhere. So we have to be very aware that here he's talking about literally husbands and wives sitting down, discussing what you're going to give, plan to give it, and give it. Like, no strings attached, no looking at it, no going, I don't trust that crazy Canadian pastor. I don't know if I should... And let's go down that road. What happens? In my last district, a friend of mine took over a church where the pastor embezzled over $100,000. They also had a, a sexual scandal at the same time. Try that one. That's a double whammy. All I can tell you is this. Any minister that dips into the pot and does this, you don't have to worry about dealing with them. God's already got it. Because we hold a sacred trust. The elders here hold a sacred trust. We don't take that lightly. And so at the end of the day, we need to settle that first part right off the front. So what else does the Word of God have to say about this issue of giving and of money? In Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 to 10, Again, I'm not going to talk just about money, so don't tune me out. Don't fall asleep. Stay with me because there's more to it. In verse, in, in verse 8 says, We're, Will a mere mortal rob God? That's pretty strong language. But who's saying it? Will a mere mortal rob God? Who's saying it? God. He says, Yet you rob me. But I ask you, how are we robbing you? And his answer, in tithes and offerings. Now, I just talked to you about tithes. He's talking about tithes and offerings. Oh, Lord, he wants more of my money? <laughs> no, he wants you to want to give more of your money. There's a difference. See, your tithe is the tenth, and offering is what you give to God, maybe because you made it through a year with your family, and everybody's healthy, and everybody's alive, and you are grateful to the Lord, and you're like, I am going to give a check for like blah, blah, dollars. Just, I just, I'm doing it because I want the kingdom to be blessed. I want to say thank you to God for what he's done. You know, this practice of offerings can be done in lots of ways. It can be and should be brought to the storehouse. The money should come into the storehouse. You might go, what's a storehouse? The church, in this case, is the modern version of the storehouse. Why? Scripture in the Old Testament, when, when, the, when, the, when the offerings were very often in were, were grains and foods and money, they would store that up so that when there was a famine, they would open the vats and they would feed the people so they wouldn't starve in times of famine. There's a famine coming to America. And we, the Church of Jesus Christ, and I, I get it, we have this, we have this massive building. I don't, I'm not against what we have. It's huge. It costs a lot to keep it going. But our responsibility still is to make sure that the storehouse is full. Now, you're, you're looking around the room going, well, there ain't no way this crowd's going to fill that. How do you know? You see, what God looks for is faithfulness. Jesus only had a little bit of bread and a couple of fish. Yet, there was a pretty large crowd that left full, and there was like 12 baskets left over. Remember that story? So we do our part, and God does his part. 
And we have to understand that same formula works when it comes to dollars and cents. You can never outgive God. Never, ever, ever, ever. If you're in a place where financially you're, you're in a good place, let me challenge you with this one. You really want to watch your world get just blown apart in a crazy way? Not only tithe, give an offering, but then also ask God every month, show me a family I can bless. Don't even have to tell me about it. Watch what he will do. He says, how are we robbing you in tithes and offerings? You are under a curse. Well, they're strong words. When God uses the word curse, it's not like you're under a bad word. It literally means you're under a curse. So if you're in this room this morning and you don't tithe, I'm going to speak a few things that I'm sure are factual. You probably have credit debt. You're probably barely getting by. You're probably scraping all the time and probably more than likely having one issue after another. Some of you are going, well, I'm a tither, and that happens. <laughs> Again, you haven't seen what God's going to do out the other side. But it is especially true when you don't tithe. When God started speaking to me about tithing, I did, I did the whole, you know, nope. Because I knew, like God would be saying, you know, you guys want to know what my tithe was supposed to be? It's crazy. I was a teenager. My tithe was supposed to be $3.25. Some of you are going, you are a tightwad. You're the perfect choice for pastor. <laughs> uh, I, I couldn't let go. I couldn't let go. $3.10. And, and I think I've shared this before. My dad said to me one day, he said, son, I'm going to share something with you. He said, I've watched you struggle with giving, and I'm going to tell you, if you can't give $3.10 now, what are you going to do when your tithe is going to be over $100? And I was like, Ugh. you know, on a youth pastor's salary, my wife stayed at home, raised our first three, or we moved into senior pastoral ministry and we owned a house in one of the nicest neighborhoods. God provided supernaturally, literally. The church we were in was such an incredible blessing that I started out, you know, as a youth pastor, where a youth pastor's salary would be. And by the time I left, they were actually paying me a senior pastor's salary because I had been there a long time. I filled in for my pastor when he had a heart attack. You know, we did a lot of extra things, but there was, we stayed faithful in our giving. And I can tell you this, there were times like, we just didn't know how we were going to get groceries. I'm just shooting straight with you people. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Test me in this. The only place in the scripture that God says, test me says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much of a blessing that there is not room enough to store it. This is where prosperity teaching gets really, and this is why preachers won't preach on giving. Because the assumption here is that if you tithe, literally God's going to drop a Brinks truck on your front lawn. It doesn't mean that. It might mean that what you have stretches out longer. It might mean that he blesses you in other areas. How many of you would be okay with God said, because you're a faithful giver, you're going to live to 90 and you're going to be healthy? Do you, do you understand where I'm going here? 
You're not going to have joint pain. You're not going to, I mean, God, I'm just going to bless you with health. Or how about this? I'm going to bless you and your lineage all the way down. I'm going to go after each and every one of your generations in your family, and I'm going to help you win them to me. How many of you, you know, now you can't buy them. That, that was a thing in the 90s. You know, put, put a dollar, put a dollar in the plate, and we're just, just going to reach out our hand, and we're going to believe for your relatives. Uh, that's wrong. It's not what we're here about. When we give, we give with no strings attached and no agenda. So when we talk about tithes, we have to understand it's a God issue, it's a you issue, it's a heart issue, and I don't know what it is, but friends, money, the love of money is the root of all evil. And it's, it's loving money. It's not having it, it's the love of it. And, and you might say, well, I don't love money. Well, then hand over your wallet. Let's see how you feel about that. There's nothing in it. Take it. <laughs> Mark chapter 12, it's not about the amount either. So when it comes to giving, it is so much more than the amount. It's the attitude in which we give. In Mark chapter 12, we switch now to the attitude of giving. And we see in verse 41, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. I got a revelation on this when I was putting it together I've never, ever seen before. So stay with me. I want to share it with you. It's exciting. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. Then all gave out of their wealth. But she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. What I saw for the first time was that Jesus is just kind of sitting there. And he's watching. And he's watching people drop their large amounts in. He calls his disciples over. Come watch this. And as the giving is happening, he draws attention to this woman who puts a couple of copper coins in, which I'd never really done the translation on the amount. Her, her gift, her tithe, literally was just a couple of cents. A couple of pennies. But that was her tithe. And you might say, why bother? Who needs it? It's not the point. It was her offering. It was her tithe. It was coming from her heart. It was all that she had. When you see the same thing in Luke chapter 21, as Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting in their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. And truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. She had already, according to the first verse that we talked about today, determined in her heart what she was going to give. And she was given it. No matter what, she was given it. At the end of the day, it comes down to the balance of where your heart is. And the widow knew that she 
absolutely was going to give out of the abundance of her heart. But it's also not just about money or the attitude of money. There's one more thing when it comes to giving. And this, I think, is probably even the biggest. And I think this one, if it's addressed, will address the other two. And that is to be a living sacrifice. To be a living offering. To be a living offering to God. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, Romans 12.1, in view of God's mercy, is God merciful to you? Let me see your hand. What? If you're saved, He's been merciful to you. Let me see your hand. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. That's awesome. It's awesome that we can know that we are called to be a living sacrifice. See, I think for me, the turning point was when I became a living sacrifice, money and all that fell in line behind it. When I was just attending church, that was different. Friends, I love you, but I'm going to ask you an honest question. Now, don't, don't raise your hand. This is an internal survey. When was the last time you were involved in ministry? And I'm not just talking about the ones in this church. When was the last time you did something as unto the Lord? If it's been longer, if it's been longer in my opinion, if it's been longer than a couple of weeks, yikes. If it's passing into months, double yikes. Because really at that point, you become a player on the team that's just sitting on the bench. You're wearing the uniform, you got the helmet, you know, you're wearing the black and gold. That's right, I'm talking Steeler time. But you're sitting on the bench, and the coach is calling you. Tomlin's calling you, saying, you need you now! And you're going, now, nah, next week. I close with this verse. Something that I had never seen before, again, I want to share it with you. Matthew 4, it says this. And again, this is, a, this is part of that other act of worship. Matthew 4, 19 and 20 says, Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. You see, Jesus just simply says, follow me. That's a pretty brief job description. And at once they left their nets and they followed him. Friends, we have to do more. We have to give more. We want to change our community. It's been nice that we've reached out to our schools. We're starting some things, close with love. We've got to be doing more, giving more. Start. It's time to do more, to give more of ourselves. The message really, I talked about money to teach on it properly, but really I wanted to focus more on the giving of ourselves. Giving of us. Listen to this. In Matthew, it says seven times, follow me, in one context or another. In Matthew alone. In Mark, it says, follow me four times. In Luke, it says, follow me four times. And in John, it says, follow me seven times. So in the four Gospels alone, 22 different times, Jesus says, follow me. Do you think he's trying to get a point across? Follow me. 
Stop trying to live for God on your own. We are so much stronger when we link arms together and when we walk together and when we get together as a family and the world is not helping because it's so busy. The pedals to the floor. Our schedules are crazy. Our kids got stuff every night of the week. I know how it is, but still, make these times sacred. Make these moments in your life sacred. Make these times of connecting and having relationship and linking arms with somebody else so that you can give more. You know, two or three people come together, all of a sudden they start talking. Do you know what happens? Ideas. And then a ministry idea comes up. And then they come to me and they say, Pastor Dan, I think we should do this. And I say, great, when do you want to do it? What do you mean, when do I want to do it? Well, God gave it to you. I'm going to help you, but you're going to do it. How many of you would say, you know what? It's not just money. It's about myself. I know that I need to, I need, I need to give more. And you'd say, just pray for me in closing. Can I just see your hand? I'm with you. I'm there too. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning that you are a good, good God. And Lord, I know I talked about a subject that can rub people the wrong way today. But Lord, I pray that they would receive what was said in terms of truth being shared from a heart that wants the best for them. I want the best for this congregation, for this family, for this body of believers. And Lord, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you would just uh, help every single person that raised their hand that said, I want to give more. I need to give more. That Father, they would, they would just know you. That, Father, they would experience you. And that, Lord, as they make a decision to step in to the, the place of, of giving more of their time and of their life and of their money as well, that, Lord, they would see confirmation of your presence, step after step after step after step. Father, together we pray that you'd heal this facility, that, Lord, you would just bring it to the place of 100% operation and function. And that, Lord, we would continue to be able to reach deep into our community. Father, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said it.